raising chickens is really easy and it's very quick turnaround. It takes about six months to raise a chicken to get eggs. And so that's a really fast turnaround for reward. It's really neat to see people go through the cycle and they get the birds and they get their eggs and they're just through the roof, you know, you get a fresh egg. Then nothing tastes quite like a fresh egg. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. Thomas Watkins is Vice President at McMurray Hatchery. He's been working at the hatch for eight years. No previous chicken experience, but now he's something of a chicken expert. McMurray Hatchery is a family-owned small business, but they just happen to hatch a lot of chicks. They specialize in heritage and rare breed chickens for the small backyard flocks and homesteading families. Thomas Watkins, welcome to the Off the Grid Biz podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do? Like I said, I'm the vice president here. It sounds impressive. It really isn't. <laughs> uh, that's part about being a small family company. You get might be a big title, but I'm still the plumber. I do a lot of building maintenance. Um, number one is we hatch chickens. So, And with that, we raise our own breeder flocks and take care of all the chickens. We hatch the eggs. Uh, so here we have large commercial incubators, and we hatch out about 150 to 200,000 chicks a week and ship them all across the United States, primarily to small backyard flocks. Uh, we don't really do anything commercially for that. So it's just people who want chickens, a couple of laying hens in the backyard or to produce their own meat or eggs. Yeah, you kind of wear a lot of hats. So you said you didn't have previous chicken experience. How did you end up here? What's your life story up to this point? Yeah, um, I married into it, you would say. Um, my father-in-law is the president of McMurray Hatchery. So McMurray Hatchery has been around for a little over 100 years now, all right here in Webster City, Iowa. So we're in the heart of Iowa. And while the McMurrays are all gone, went through Murray McMurray, and then his son, John and Charles, and then his grandson, Murray McMurray, took over. And he had two business partners. And those two retired, and it was my father-in-law, Bud Wood. And said eight years ago, I came on with really no intention of being any management plan just to kind of help around and work my way up, you'd say, you know, pretty quickly. It, it's, you know, helps when your father-in-law is the boss, but <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of jump in. Everybody, we're, we're really lucky. We have a lot of great help because it's all hands on deck when you deal with the live animals. So it's you work really hard when you need to work and then take time off later. <laughs> yeah, So absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. After now, you just answer enough questions. You can be your own chicken expert. So. <laughs> good deal well and it fits into the crowd that you're playing into because it's what they're all attempting to do right they, they're, yeah. they're going from quite possibly not knowing anything about chickens to raising them and so forth exactly, so. exactly. that's like i said i i'm living proof of what happens because i never even knew people had chickens in their backyards and then so we got chickens and you know, we went from a few and then they're the gateway animal to other you know hobby farming you know you get yeah. a goat get a small cow or move to an acreage like <laughs> yeah yeah i've done everything exactly that you know any of our customers are going to do or try to do too 
I imagine there's a whole lot of customers that have been with you for quite a while. Having a yeah. over a hundred year old company, you've got, <laughs> yeah. got a lot of background there. We get calls from people who we've been ordering since the seventies, you know, the sixties. And we have primarily was all catalogs prior to the internet. They, they look forward to their catalog in the mail and the people still do. We still do a really good catalog in a lot of the old timers and people who don't typically get catalogs. Now they're interested in that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's tapering off. You know, there was a kind of a lull in there when supermarkets had cheap eggs and stuff like that, where the business wasn't that great and booming for what we were doing. Um, there's the old timers and now we've got a really big crowd of, of people who want to get back into being sustainable mm-hmm. and being, you know, know where your food comes from, take care of themselves. That's exciting. I really yeah. like that part. So for people that aren't aware that you can even buy chickens through the mail, <laughs> can, can you tell us a little bit about how that process works? Yeah. Primarily new orders come in online now that the internet rules everything, but we still do catalog sales. You can get a request to catalog and order through the catalog. We have 110 varieties of chickens, 30 varieties of ducks and geese, uh, 15 different pheasants, you know, quail, swans, different peafowl stuff. So we're kind of a one-stop shop for you know, small farms, you know, even backyard flocks. It's anything you'd want. Our typical order is less than 20 birds that's going down. So we really fill a lot of small orders and people get one Rhode Island red, one black ocelot, you know, a lot of, and get colorful birds because that's, you know, they might be in an urban, a suburban lot. And, you know, it starts with that they want to know where your food comes from. And raising chickens is is really easy. (laughs) And it's very quick turnaround. You know, it takes about six months to raise a chicken to get eggs. And so that's a really fast, as far as any animals go, turnaround for reward. It's really neat to see people go through the cycle and they get the birds and they get their eggs and they're just through the roof, you know, you get a fresh egg and there's nothing tastes quite like a fresh egg. Um, It's great for kids. It's really good for learning about the life cycle of different things. We do a lot where schools that they'll hatch eggs and then they might just take home chickens and say, hey, mom, guess what I brought home? That's unique too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How are you able to send birds through the mail? How's that work? We've been doing it a long time. Actually, even before there were airplanes, we'd send through the, the railroads the, you know, the railroads carried the mail and we had, you know, really good success doing that in the 1960s when airlines started carrying the commercial air, the chickens were right with it. The chick in an egg develops out of the white of it and the yolk is a food sack. And so right before the chick hatches out of the egg, it envelops the yolk. So it kind of pulls it through a belly button and into its stomach. And so that provides a chick with three days worth of food and water, they don't need to eat and drink for the first three days. Um, they would, but they don't have to. Um, so that's why we're able to ship day-old chicks without really any very special accommodations where it's harder to ship older chicks because they do need that food and water constantly. Yeah, day-old chicks right through the post office. That's fabulous. <laughs> that's just so cool. I remember the first time I had heard about that and I, it blew me away. How are you finding new people? Because it's such a very niche audience that you're going after. What's the main way that you're, you're getting yeah. people to find you? It's not hard to find. If you wear a McMurray t-shirt about, someone's going to come up to you and go, oh, I got chicks from there. Or, My <laughs> parents got chicks from there. It's a very old timey thing, yeah. you know, where people had farms, they had chickens. And so some of the new people are, they're just reminiscing about the, you know, going out to grandpa's farm, you know, and they had chickens running around and every major metropolitan city, you're allowed chickens. Like most of them, I think it's 93% of them. You're allowed some backyard chicken. 
they're, they're vary on how many you, you can have if it's 10 or six or five or something like that. But so we do a lot of travel quite a bit. So we'll do trade shows. We do mother earth news fairs. Yeah. We'll do a, some gardening stuff because a lot of people who do gardening, even urban or backyard gardening are interested in birds. It's kind of a funny correlation because everyone who has chickens gardens, but not everybody who gardens has chickens. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's really wild. So we do stuff like that. Um, Homesteaders of America. One of the things I'm really excited about is the kind of that growth in that new homesteading mm-hmm. movement. I feel like people are getting back to out of the cities and back to the farms or even on small plots of land where they can do these things for themselves and take care of themselves. Seeing a growth this year in the COVID-19 and everything else and people kind of returning to preparedness and homesteading. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think anybody can attest to that. Anytime there's a shortage or a question of a shortage, we, we'll see spikes. Actually, when the we can tailor it by the stock market too. If the stock market goes down, then we actually have better sales. That's a comfort thing. You know, in World War II, it was recommended that every family member have two chickens because, mm. you know, provided for your own necessity. So you provide eggs for your family. It's little things. It could be the price of eggs in the grocery store, uh, price of chicken. doesn't re- affect too much, but those things we'll see. New customers come looking for this, going right to the source. That makes sense. You certainly have a have a name in the industry. Do you have people that come across you randomly online? Is, is there any, uh, do you guys do any form of online advertising or anything of that? Oh yeah, you, you have to. We didn't for a while. So like 2015 and 2016, we were sold the minimum of six weeks out. Like you couldn't get a bird for six weeks for two entire years. So we kind of scaled back on, on the advertising we did. I think that kind of bit us in the butt later on down the road, you know, 17 mm-hmm. and 18. But the traditional advertising stuff, you advertise on Google AdWords and, and things like that. We do advertise in certain magazines, backyard chickens, uh, hobby farms, you know, the things that correlate well to you know, exactly what you guys are. Um, yeah. You know, people who want to take care of themselves and, and be more sustainable. People want to be off grid. Chickens are number one on the list of things you need. Do you think you're going to be able to have a long-term success chickens are very easy to do that with lots of different type of stuff yeah what's your top selling product what is the top breed or the top <laughs> what's the main thing that you see the most of going out chicken owners are kind of traditionally split between egg layers and broilers so your broilers are your meat chickens our number one on chicken is the broiler it's a cornish cross it's cornish x-rock that's far and away the number one bird we sell people are going to home butcher their own meat it's a really great way to do it. It's not factory farmed in the worst possible conditions. You yeah. have full control of the, you know, the life of these birds. And so you give them a, a better existence, even a short existence. And then down from that, it's, it's our best egg layers. So we have a red star is a really nice brown egg layer. Um, the pearl leghorn, which is the industry standard white eggs. That's the store you're going to get at the grocery store. Really the things that are going to lay the most eggs. And then, you know, we could go down and then it's more fun birds. We do have, like I said, 110 varieties of chickens we get a lot of orders that are i want a really good egg layer but then i want a pretty bird too barred plymouth rocks are an american breed they're very traditional they would have been on everybody's farm 50 years ago those are really popular oh it's fabulous okay let's take a break from that conversation i wanted to bring up a question for you during these crazy times do you feel like your business is indestructible most people don't and if not the real question is why And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, 
nine ways to Amazon proof your business. Let me talk about what we discussed in chapter six, the sixth way, which is to offer ongoing. What does that mean? Well, what it means is don't just have products that are one-time uses. Find a way to offer some type of ongoing value to your clients. Even if you can't offer it yourself, even if you don't specifically offer a service that goes on and on, find someone else who does and team up with them. Find a way to turn what you do into some form of subscription or membership and get your stuff out there more often. Allow them a chance to get to know, like, and trust you via a product or service. This is a way that you can completely take Amazon's idea and twist it into something directly for your own. Amazon Prime's a major deal in the success behind Amazon.com. You can get it to work for you, even if you just work on a local level. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon-proof your business. Basically, the idea of making it competition-proof to even someone as big as Amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to AmazonProofBook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. We had Frank Hyman on the show uh, last year who wrote Hintopia, where he talks about mm -hmm. how to build your own coops and everything. So my wife's in the middle of building a chicken <laughs> coop and she's a gardener and now she's adding in the chickens. And so she was going through your website, couldn't believe all the different breeds and everything on there. There's so many different ones and just great pictures online. It's really cool. Uh, I recommend is, everyone yeah. to go check that out. You've been involved for eight years. What do you like best about this business and your industry as a whole? Like I said, I travel a lot and I get to meet a lot of people and I love talking to people. I love talking about that, you know, that they visited their grandfather's farm, you know, in the fifties and sixties. So their kids are getting into chickens now and just the stories that people have to tell, you know, I hate to say the good old days because that's, it's tough to beat internet and all. Yep. air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> But it is a simpler time and, and people have really good memories of, of those going out and doing the chores, you know, might have to clean out the chicken coop and stuff, but I get to meet a lot of people. I really love doing that. I love that. I also work with all the chickens. I'm, I breed different lines and stuff as well. I have one of the things I, I like to think about is like, I'm going to be here for 20, 25 years, you know, and my kids will take over hopefully, but I can affect the genetic lineages of these chickens for another hundred years. Like I could, if I wanted to select for a certain color, or a certain variety, you know, you can really improve upon what you have just by the different parent lines and, and things you can do. That's kind of a, this really daunting, but really exciting thing that I like to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're going to affect a, you know, long-term, really long-term chicken owners like <laughs> yeah so. it's, it's a great perspective and something i think most people don't even take into account when they're thinking about being involved in a business like this so yeah now if you can change one thing about your business what would that one thing be 
right now we're kind of our biggest limitation is we do go through the United States post office. So if you're following in the, the news, that, that has been an issue. Chickens are, they, they get special handling and they get priority handling. Uh, we don't have big issues, but I would like to see a different way to do that. Go all across the United States. We'll go from every week, you know, we hit, we hit all 50 states. We could get there in a more timely, effective manner. It, it typically takes two days, two to three days to deliver and they are a live animal. And so if we could speed that up, even, even to the fact that you were not really allowed to ship express or overnight, even to allow that kind of delivery service for live animals, I think would go a long ways in, in, for, in for the industry and for the animals themselves. So that's one of the things I also am working on. Absolutely. So yeah. if we were to talk again, say like a year from now, and we were to yep. look back over the last 12 months, what would have had to have happened between now and then for you to feel happy with the progress in your business and your life? We can go through 12 months and I have all employees that are healthy and we have birds that are healthy and we're still able to ship chickens. I'm going to be through the roof. Like, um, <laughs> There's so much uncertainty going around with COVID-19. That's where we're at. Keeping a workplace open is very difficult especially in an industry where we're, we're not able to isolate. We're not really able to work from home. You work with a live animal, like, and there are no off days. There's not an ability to be gone or to have time off, keeping the wheels going. We've been around a long time and I don't foresee that changing. So we can weather a lot of storms and we have obviously a couple of world wars and, <laughs> but there's a lot of things. I'm pretty easy to please. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. What advice would you have to other business owners that are looking to be involved in a business like this? I know you didn't start it. Everyone nope, that's involved yeah. there would kind of grew into it. What advice would you have to someone who's either getting involved with a stable heritage business like this or that's starting from scratch? With the rise in, in the poultry industry, not the poultry, like the backyard flock movement, there's mm -hmm. a big influx of, of hatcheries, like boutique hatcheries that might People are like, I'm gonna, I can raise birds. I, you know, my birds lay an egg. I can collect that, and you, know, you buy a little incubator, and you can hatch them and sell them. You sell them on Craigslist, or you sell them on Facebook, or pretty easy to put up a website and do that stuff. That it's a very small industry too. You know, even for players that have been around a long time, like we have, we're pretty big, but we're also very small. And it's the same with all of the other hatcheries. There's five or six hatcheries comparable size. You know, and then you start getting into the Tysons and the talking a couple tens of millions of birds. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a different world. But we all know everybody. Like I know every counterpart in every other hatchery we've met. And so if, even if you are just starting out and, and you want to get into this, it's a big industry. Yep. There's lots of room for people, but reach out and, and talk to somebody like I'm, I'm available. Call me. I'll, I'll help. Like the more that we work together, the more power our, our industry has like, and you know, the more we can work together, the more we can lobby the post office to give us better shipping. You know, I don't want to fight anybody. I want to work with everybody. Everyone's got a specialty. Everyone fits in somewhere. Let's figure out how to make it work together. I think that's a great attitude and something that's too often forgotten in business yeah. that we think we're all <laughs> against each other when actually if we just find our spots, we, there's, there's plenty yeah. of room for everyone. Like I said, 93% of metropolitan areas allow chickens. Look, let's get to 100 and, and we work yeah. together and we can, we can get there. And that you're talking 350 million people in the United States and only 4% of those have chickens or even thought about chickens. They even knew you could do chickens. So, yeah. you know, that leaves a lot of space. <laughs> it's a whole nother 
line of conversation there, but I'm just curious, did you ever raise any type of animals growing up? Did you grow up around animals? I grew up in a very small town, 200 people. Like I was very rural, but we, you know, we lived in town, all of the 200 people. I did farm work. You know, I worked with cattle. I, we did row crop, mowed a lot of lawns and stuff like that. Well, and you've heard a lot of stories from people that have just started out of nowhere and, mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. started, started doing chickens. Do you see a huge value in, well, I mean, you mentioned like children growing up around it yeah. and being able to oh, see yeah. the life cycle and everything. What, 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 what else have you seen from as far as that goes? What, what value do you think that, that really gets brought yeah. home when, when someone brings <laughs> chickens home to raise? Like I said, they're, they're super easy to raise. Literally wrote a book called Chickens in Five Minutes a Day. That's all it takes to raise chickens. They need a little more care on the front end, but on the back end, food, clean water, pickup eggs. They have enough space to just really happy. Uh, they can take care of pests around the house, eat lots of bugs, lots of spiders. Um, they're beautiful. You know, chickens are absolutely beautiful. Yard art is, you know, moving art. That's where we come in because we have a lot of varieties that are just really pretty. <laughs> I have four kids too, and like they're great chores for my children. Like six and seven year old, they take the scraps out from dinner, they feed the chickens, they get the eggs. That's it. They get, they have chores to do, they have a responsibility. Um, and they like doing it because they like you know, chickens are neat. Chickens and kids are go hand in hand. <laughs> Even if you don't have kids, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not complicated. You don't need a complicated setup. If you had a cow, you're committed to infrastructure. You're committed to hay. You're committed to high expensive stuff. Usually, you know, chickens eat half a pound of food a day. I guess four ounces. I think it's a third pound. Uh, Fifty pound bag of feed is several months worth of food for chickens. So it's you know, six months of the year, it costs you $14 to feed a chicken. Mm. That's you know, pretty low cost. And you're going to get eggs out of the deal eventually. That's egg fantastic. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, really cool. And it's a great, great message to have out there. And that's really neat. You said you have a, have a book. It's called Chickens in Five Minutes. Yeah, I have to rewrite that. That's on my to-do list too. We had it published probably 10 years ago. Oh. And we didn't do enough reprints that it went out of, out of print. Got so that's on my to-do list is to rewrite our book. Good. Well, we look forward to, to seeing that when yeah. it comes out. <laughs> I've asked you a bunch of questions. What have I not asked you that you'd like to answer? Pretty good questions. Um, how do we fit into what your guys are, are trying to do? What's the overall message you're trying to, to send? We tend to talk about just the business side of self-reliance. Mm -hmm. So we talk to a lot of businesses that either play toward that specifically from the products they produce or they play toward that in their entire infrastructure. So we're just happy to have you here and talk about it from a perspective of having this really solid historic background in the whole yeah. thing. And while at the same time, encouraging other people to, to be productive. So we really found this interesting. One thing that I'd touch on, but eggs are outside of, you know, getting baby chicks, like they're an industry of themselves. Yeah. If you go to, farmer's market, you know, there's someone selling fresh eggs, like, and they could be anywhere from $2 to $12, depending on where you're at and type of breed they've got really super dark chocolate eggs. There's blue eggs, there's green eggs, there's, you know, white egg. A lot of people don't know that eggs come in different colors. Like yeah. <laughs> that's a business people do, especially if that's from a, not just a off grid or self-sustainable people, you're going to have a flock to produce for yourself and to sustain keep regenerating your, your birds. You hatch eggs and you get more chickens, you raise them up. But that's a source of income too. My grandmother, that was grocery money, was the chicken egg money. 
And so we're still there. It's just, it's more of a specialty market. I don't know anybody who has too many farm fresh eggs. <laughs> There's someone looking for them and they're looking, and you can sell them at a premium. People care about how their birds are raised and nobody wants to see the factory farms. So if you can look, they can look in your backyard and they can see the chickens running around, the chickens are happy. Like then that commands its own premium when you go to, to market with these eggs. That's a business perspective to this as well. And, and it's the same with meat. So that's eggs, but. And it depends on your state, but you're allowed to produce so many birds and, and home butcher. There's a lot different, some regulations there, but it's pretty easy to look into. For yourself, you can you raise your own broilers, your own, raise your own chicken meat. Very easy to do. Two brothers came and we did about 300 birds between us in, in half a day. Uh, so we filled everybody's freezers full of chicken. We have a year's worth of chicken. Fabulous. For our half a day's worth of work. I knew how those birds were raised because I did it. Now, we don't have issues that you're going to have on somebody shed somewhere but yeah <laughs> peace of mind is really helpful there. yeah and so that's another business side of things you can and it depends on your state and how many you can do at a time um, the u.s you can look at the usda and they'll give you a definitive answer some states i think it's less than a thousand which is quite a few birds yeah <laughs> so there's business opportunities here for people as well oh that's great so what could a listener do if they want to find out more about mcmurray hatchery and everything you guys provide like I said, you were on the website. The website's a really cool resource. Um, we have a catalog. We'll mail out catalogs to people. Uh, if you don't have internet or, you know, not big on online shopping. So we've produced a catalog since 1919. It's changed a few times, but <laughs> <laughs> really cool thing. McMurrayHatchery.com is, like I said, you'll have, we have breed photos, breed profiles. You'll see the full selection of everything that we do. We're on YouTube. You can see some videos we've done on YouTube or Facebook. You can tweet us. Well, Thomas Watkins, Vice President of Midbury Hatchery, thanks so much for being on the Off the Grid Biz podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. That was really cool meeting up with Thomas here and finding out the perspective of somebody who married in to kind of a legacy business like this hatchery. And at the same time, they're still small enough that he can say, hey, I'm still the plumber. You know, I'm still doing a lot of the work that no one else wants to do. I do whatever needs to get done. That's cool. That's really a neat, there's something really neat and uh, inspiring about that. I like when talking with Thomas about their ideal customer, how he basically says it's just people who want chickens, you know, and it's almost more of who isn't his customer. I like how he framed that because he's, they're not looking to just retail out to large chicken farms or hatching operations. They're looking for the backyard person. They're looking for the person that's starting from scratch. They're looking for a person with a small group of chickens or is just starting out in the chicken world. That's really a specific niche and something that is cool to see somebody taking on and really being unapologetic about it. He says that catalogs still exist. You know, they're, they've got physical paper catalogs. And this is something I've discussed quite a lot on my uh, daily show, um, Brian J. Pombo Live, when we're discussing the fact that a lot of these older mediums haven't died away. They've just taken on competition with online versions or with digital versions. And so 
you still have a lot of paper catalogs out there. In fact, I came across an Amazon.com paper catalog that they sent out uh, for people that they knew had children. And I think it's for people in their Prime program uh, that have children. And it was a special children's toys catalog specifically for Amazon.com. You can't get more online than that, yet they're using paper catalogs. There is a value in using some of the older mediums, even more valuable now than in years past when it was the only medium. It's something to keep an eye on when you hear people that use that, see why they're using it and how it could be valuable, how these analog versions of the same things that we see on a regular basis online, how the analog version, it has a value unto itself. It's interesting. It's cool that Thomas and his company have been able to take on this rise in sustainability like he discussed and how homesteading is back on track and growing in popularity, especially with all of the happenings of 2020, the COVID situation and everything else, people are looking to be more self-reliant. They're looking to have more stability in their life. And the fact that they're able to profit off of that after providing this service for so long and now really being on top of it and being able to handle this this rush of new customers. I think that's really great to see and I wish Thomas all the best. Can't wait to see what they have coming up in the future. Join us again on the next Off The Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off The Grid Biz Podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success.